one of you address. Our address is now Airpark Way, which is the road out there to the front road, which is so much better. Um, so, one, if you ever write a letter to us, I know that's really common now. That's the address. We're going around and we're changing, you know, there's, there's a lot of literature and stuff with our address. And so bear with me. One of the things that's probably most pleasant is that a bunch of you, I hope, have got a good connection card from your lawyers or firm. They are now out of date. They have the wrong address, and they also have the wrong Sunday service times. Okay? There's a couple of reasons why this will be very unhelpful to hand out. So, a table at the back, silver table at the back, you will see piles of these things. I want to encourage every one of you to put half a dozen of these in, in your wallet, purse, or coat pocket, because if you come across someone that's asking about church, you know, if I bump into a homeless person buying food, I'll give them one of these. Uh, you might buy coffee for someone in a coffee shop, put one of these into their hand. Um, so could you grab half a dozen of these new ones? And if you happen to have the old ones on you, there's a little bin on the table, you can put them in there and we will responsibly recycle them for you. So that's that. Wonderful. So last week, if you're around, we started a new series entitled Difference Together.
they are so committed to building a church that is full of diversity. I'm going to start by sharing some reasons why we are not doing that. We're not trying to be a culturally diverse church in order to be politically correct, or because it's the latest fad, the latest kind of church trend. We're not doing it because it's a quick and easy way to grow church, because frankly that is not true. It's hard. It is difficult. It is slow. It is way easier to grow a monoracial church than to be culturally diverse. So I'm going to share this morning five P's. Five P's about why we are pursuing this, why we want to be different together culturally. The first is because of our purpose. Our purpose as part of the church of Jesus Christ. And our purpose is because of the Bible. Because it's found in the Bible, because that's always a good place to start. Now, if I were to give you a Bible and sit you down on a desert island and ask you this question, what should the church be about? What is God's purpose for the church? And if you started at the beginning of Genesis and worked your way, you'd find a whole lot of helpful stuff. But eventually you would come to Ephesians chapter 2. And so if you have a Bible, that's what we're, the text we're going to look at this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. And you might have a, have a paper Bible, you might have some electronic device that you read the Bible on. Paul, who wrote this letter, is talking about some of the divisions between Jews and Gentiles, cultural diversity issues. And I'm going to read from verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 2. Think of that context of division that Paul writes in. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, this is the purpose, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. God's purpose, I believe, is to bring together what is divided, to create one new humanity out of two. Now, as we think through the history of humanity, the way that man, woman, mankind, has tended to do that is through what we might call cultural domination, by simply trying to absorb the culture of another people, or at its extreme, to destroy another culture. So you can think of, for example, Native Americans, who white people thought they would try and Americanize. It's actually quite ironic. You can think of British colonialism, trying to absorb other cultures. How does God create one humanity? Perfect. Through Jesus. Through the cross. Breaking dividing Together. 
the church itself was born 2,000 years ago. It's probably familiar with the account, Acts chapter 2. After Jesus has ascended into heaven, uh, his disciples are in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit is poured out, and we actually see the birth of the church is in a setting of cultural diversity. I'm not going to read the verses, I've put, I've put the verse up here, uh, beginning of Acts chapter 2, you can just see this spectrum of cultural diversity. And it was in that setting that the church is born. So, for a church, we have our roots in cultural diversity. Where are we headed? Where is humanity headed? Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. I'm going to read that verse because it's an incredibly beautiful verse. This is a picture of heaven. It says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. Beautiful picture of difference together. Now let me put those, that verse in non-religious language for us. How might we think about it? Well, what do you think heaven is going to be like? What do you think it's going to be like? What do you think you're going to be eating in heaven? What do you think you're going to be I know, for me, I am going to be eating fish and chips. I grew up in London, so it's going to be mushy peas, not dark peas. That's what Londoners eat. And I, I like Yorkshire pudding, so I would actually I would have that on the side as well. But I reckon that there is also going to be rice and peas from the Caribbean. And I reckon there's going to be matcha from Uganda and East Africa. And there is going to be seafood from Ghana. There is going to be pounded yam from Nigeria. Is that right? Is that good? I'm taking your word for it. But it sounds good to me. Churrasco barbecue meat from Brazil. Now that, that sounds aromatic to me. There is going to be chicken tikka masala from India. There is going to be chocolate from Belgium. There is going to be wine from France. What language will we hear? Your favorite stuff English, because God is clearly English. Thank you.
second video I want to share this morning is personal journaling. What does this mean to me? Why, if you know me, why am I so passionate about a thing called team dialogue? I shared last week that I grew up in Carcosa's beaches, which is at Lisi and its banks. And I went to school in that area. In fact, I dug out my old school photo this week. Remember these car tapes? It's actually on paper. simply for getting that out, is that I scanned it again this week. I don't remember any non-white students in my class. None. In fact, when I looked across here, there are two black Africans in the whole school, and I think two Indians. That, 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 that was it. I don't remember, in the church that I grew up in, I don't remember any non-white people in that congregation. For the first 25 years of my life, my closest relationships were with people that looked just like me. When we first joined this church around about 25 years ago, it was, I would guess, about 99% white. In fact, as we think back, we could count the number of non-white people in the kingdom with one hand. Incidentally, uh, we've just uh, measured this. We are now church community, 47% non-white. And there are over 40 different nationalities represented in our church family. That, for me, is a huge breakthrough. See, over the years, over that time span, God, I believe, has been at work in me, in my personal journey. That picture that I shared with us from Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, Ago, you may remember uh, a couple, Noel and Bob and I, 
but they lead the village churches in the Himalayan region, in northern India and the north. And then and they said to us that we are a church of all nations. And some of you may have been there, and that just struck me, struck a number of us. Back at the Bigger National Leaders Conference in January this year, uh, Dr. Charles Montgomery, who was a uh, chef on the red, he spoke on cultural diversity and integration. And it just caught my heart. It just stirred me deeply. And actually, you know, he very graciously didn't come at this time uh, to myself and met and to mentor us and to coach us as we explored his vision further. And then, you know, I think it was June this year, Pentecost Prayer, the evening that we had here, uh, when we were out in the new building, we had these flags and all nations of people leading prayer in their native They approach things in different ways. We all do. And 
God's people is striking back in these kind of encounters. He's on a journey. We are on a journey. God's work in progress. But let me ask you what may be a challenging question. If you were to invite ten people round for dinner, who would be on the invite list? Why don't you just mentally list them right now? You might want to get out a piece of paper. You've only got ten ticks and only paper. Stop yourself. Who are you going to invite? Who's on the list? And then ask yourself the question, how diverse is that invite list? How diverse is it? In order to be different together, have to share our lives with people that are different to ourselves. Now, I don't believe that it is enough to be a multicultural church. God, I believe, is calling us to be an intercultural church. And I'm going to just describe that in a moment. An intercultural church is where people of different races, different cultures, different ethnicities don't just come together to worship together, but they do Imagine you've got a box and you've got a handful of marbles of different colours. Can you just come to me, take to the next one? But there are two, yeah, you throw those marbles into a box. There are two things that could potentially happen. One, of, one is that the marbles of the same colour just congregate together. And you get little groupings, so there's a corner with red marbles in front of yellow marbles, green marbles, blue marbles. Or they could just be Multiculturalism can be diverse, but not integrated. So if you'll find that the people that look like each other just hang around with people like themselves. Our vision is to be intercultural, where we are truly different together. Where we're mixing with people that are different to ourselves. You see, the truth is we tend to gravitate towards people who look like us. Think of something as simple as like asking us to look like Jesus next to us. That is our tendency. We tend to gravitate in that way. That, for me, is one of the primary issues of multiculturalism in the United Kingdom. We've got a culturally diverse society, but it seems to be a little pocket. It is not intercultural. So there's diversity, but there is limited integration. To do that, we need personal proximity with people who are different to ourselves. And that will require something intentional. So, fifth thing is a plan. We need a plan. Here's the plan. The plan is to share a table together. Share a table with some people who are different something here at Riverside Vineyard that we are calling 100 shared tables. 100 shared tables. What we're asking you to do is to seek out someone who is different.
different ethnicity. There might be someone that you may love. It might be someone that you don't yet love. And simply invite them to share a meal with you around the table of your choice. Now, for many of us, it can be great if you can invite someone into your own home. Because you have a table there and that works wonderfully. For some of you, that may not work. And so your table might be McDonald's or other fast food outlets are available. That might be the table of choice. It might be a coffee shop. That's your table. And you can invite someone to share that table with you. And it's not there really, so you can be sharing you know, deep, deep things, you know, deep political conversations. It is simply an opportunity to get So we're praying that over the next seven weeks, for 100 tables to be shared. Is that clear? That makes sense? 100 shared tables. Now, it's really important that we track how we're doing. There's a couple of ways that we'd love to do that. You can either register on the website. There is a webpage set up, which is realislandvineyard.com forward slash 100 shared tables, there's a big button that says, I'm in. You click on that, you can put in your name and email and say, I'm in, I'm going to do this. I'm going to seek out someone who's different to me and invite them to my table. Or, and this may be easier, we have some postcards for you. So we're just going to hand these around and I'm going to invite you to grab one of these, grab a pen if you don't have a pen. different to me, I'm going to invite them around the table, then I simply want to invite you now to write your name in the box that says name, and your email in the box that says email, because I'm not going to say that. And just to say, I'm in, I'm going to do this.
shared tables or hashtag get them together uh, and with a sign BT. That would just help us to see those. We would love to, so when you gather from around your table, take a picture, ping it out. Uh, we would love to see that. Why is that important? It's because we want to write a new story. We want to tell the world around us that there's a better way. There's a better way that Jesus died to make a better way. You might be thinking this morning, Andy, this is really pushing me out of my comfort zone. I'm going to say sorry, but I'm not. That's part of the journey. That's part of the journey of growing in faith, that we we shift out of that comfort zone. And that's what Catholic moments are designed to do. To take what we're learning intellectually and help us to live them out experientially. And that will always require a stretch. Always require us getting out of our comfort zone in some way. Let me close with this. So throughout the history of the church, when people have been praying for change, when people have prayed for revival, for things to shift, they've often prayed a prayer that goes something like this. Lord, bring revival and let it begin with me. Bring change, but let it begin with me.